I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Want support. Curtis Fleming is there on the edge of the air. Fleming for Craig Hignett. Hit it, Higgy. Higgy hits the track. Ravinelli coming alive again. Janino wants the ball played to him. Ravinelli spots out. Welcome back to the Borough Breakdown Podcast with Johnny, Dana and Tom. We are the Borough Podcast that gives you the ins, the outs, the ups, the downs of Millsworth Football Club. And well, Borough failed to take advantage of Reading and Barnsley defeats yesterday. They lost 1-0 at the Den, courtesy of a Grant Hall on goal. You can't stop scoring at the minute, Grant Hall. It's either in his own net or yep, in a, in an own goal, but he just can't stop scoring. But Dana, I'm going to kick things off uh, with you. Borough could have really cut the gap yesterday at three points and made things really interesting again. Um, with the likes, and given that we've got the likes of Bournemouth, Watford, and Barnsley to play, how big of an opportunity was was that miss yesterday with the defeat at Millwall? Oh, it was a massive opportunity squandered, and we should have started coming really typical. Borough have an opening to get into the top six, and they close the door on themselves. And it wasn't a, an undeserving defeat either. We were below par in pretty much every department all over the pitch and first half we were so lethargic and passive and in fairness the passiveness carried on throughout the entirety of the game and second half was a little bit better in terms of the intensity and the energy but all in all you know we had that period of 15 minutes of sustained pressure and we had nothing to show for it and you know you always get moments during the game where you do put the opposition under the the cosh to try to get back into it and if you can't score during that period then you're probably not going to score at all and that's what happened yesterday and it was it was was very disappointing particularly disappointed the application and the approach to the game I thought the players just didn't they just didn't look up for the battle and you have to be up for the battle at the den like Neil Warnock said after the game and yeah they were they were very feeble yesterday. Yeah, we'll come on to the the game in a second because I'm interested to see hear what you think of Warnock's comments. And to be honest, I heard I heard a little rumor, Dana. That, um, you have, you have, you have some ITK knowledge that Middlesbrough is still playing now at the Den and they haven't scored. So, yes. um, so but, but Tom, with with 38 games played now, Borough won 16, drawn eight, lost 14, and there's a clear inconsistency there with Borough because you know the the best teams and the high performing teams tend to really outweigh the the wins over over the defeats and 
do you think that's the difference between Borough and probably say like a Brentford or a Watford or uh, hey, a, a Norwich as well? Do you think that that inconsistency there of not being able to grind out results and we've lost games has been the, that key factor of Borough not being in the playoffs? Yeah, absolutely. I think you you, you look at the, those types of teams and even like you, you look at even like our promotion team. We we did have a a blip back in in like March of that year. Uh, obviously, we had the Karanka walkout, but then we put it behind us and won pretty much every game from from then on or undefeated. Um, and I, I think that's just something the teams above us do really well. Like Norwich have have done quite well up until yesterday, probably because I had them on my bet, so they thought they'd let me down. <laughs> um, <laughs> Brentford, uh, Watford, you know, even if they do have inconsistencies, they tend to put it behind them quite quickly. And with us, it's it's kind of the story of our season. Like Dan has just been saying, every time we get close to the top six, we're just like, no, nah, we don't want it that much. We're going to stop playing now and, and fall behind a bit. I'd fully expect us to sort that out next season. Um, you know, once... Warnock's brought some more players in. The squad's kind of how he wants it. We've got a full pre-season and the schedule's not manic like it has been this season. We've probably got a better chance, but this season it's just been far too inconsistent to, to even be up there. Yeah, it'll be an interesting championship next year with Newcastle going to come down. Sunderland will probably come up and uh, it'll be the battle of the northeast again, won't it? It'll be the first time since, I think, 2000 and 2008, I think, that um, all, all the teams are in the, are in the, in the Premier League together. Um, Premier Dana, League. That was we'll true chat. in the Premier League. In, in the Premier League, sorry, yeah. In the Premier League, yeah. Sorry, I should have had a coffee this one, shouldn't I? Um, but Dana, like, we'll chat about Millwall. Uh, some notable absentees yesterday in the in the starting eleven with Morsey, Cabano, and Fisher all dropping at the bench. Were you surprised with the change of Morsey, given that his recent displays have been absolutely brilliant? Yeah, definitely. And during the game, I was thinking we do miss Sam Morsey here because I think he would have got a hold on the midfield. And I understand why he didn't play because if you've got Tav and McNair fit, you do put them in. And uh, I just felt as though we missed him there. And Warnock said after the game that you need a little bit of passion um, in games that are dead. And, you know, passion doesn't necessarily win your football matches, but I think it does sort of playing to win in the midfield battle and Borough lost the midfield battle yesterday. Billy Mitchell, in fairness to him, played really well. You know, he was uh, breaking up Borough's attacks, making some really key tackles to prevent us from, from going forward. And Borough didn't have that yesterday. I thought Housen was really poor. It's probably the poorest I've seen him play in a while. He was so he was just so slow and lethargic and passive. And, uh, you know, he pretty much epitomised mm. Borough yesterday. And... Sam Morsey, for me, was really unlucky to miss out. I think he would have made a massive difference to that midfield and, you know, breaking up the play, getting forward, continuing the fine form that he's had and we needed him. We needed a little bit of aggression in midfield because they had that with Ryan Woods. You know, Ryan Woods is a Millwall shithouse. I think we needed our shithouse on the pitch there yesterday and, and we didn't have him and I think we missed him. Yeah, I was when I was speaking to a few Millwall fans on, on, on their podcast last week, I said that Ryan Woods would be a, a fantastic signer for us because I really liked him when he was at Brentford. Uh, I'm surprised we never really went in for him in the end. But uh, I agree with you, Dana. I was so surprised we didn't give Morsey even a few minutes on the pitch, uh, to be honest. I feel like we really needed that aggression in midfield. And as Neil Warnock always says, you've got to die to get three points. So, And we actually didn't do any of that. But... Tom, I want to chat about Jed Spence because he came in yesterday for Fisher and I thought it was a good move from Warnock really because I thought if we had additional pace on the pitch, we might be able to get him behind with Millwall's slow defence. And it just never really worked for us. But 
Jed's been the the boo boy for a few weeks now. We've touched it a couple of times around his age and around a lot of inconsistencies. But he's just looked right out of form this year. Um, why do you think he's struggling at the moment? Uh, I think it can only be a confidence thing. I think he's probably overthinking quite a lot. I think he has done done well in flashes. Not even that long ago. It was only a couple of games ago. I can't remember who it was against. We made some some decent runs up the, the right-hand side and looked like he was starting to get back to his best and then he'll kind of drop in performance for a couple of games after that. Um, personally, what I think he needs is is a loan move next season. Uh, if we've got both Dykesdale and Fisher fit, who can play on the right-hand side, um, send him out, um, let him kind of get regular uh, experience where he's not going to be kind of, uh, you know, dropped for... Um, you know, when one of the more experienced players needs to to play or anything like that, and let him just work his way up. Uh, you know, emulate people like Dale Fry and and how they've kind of worked their way into the squad. I think we shouldn't forget he's still quite a young player. We're, we're still going to we're always going to have these kinds of inconsistencies in his performance while he's still growing as a player. So I think he just needs that time. Um, I, I wouldn't say <clears throat> we need to write him off altogether after this season because we've seen what he can do. Um, he just needs that time to, to grow as a player, I think. Yeah, he's only 20-year-old as well, so there's plenty of time for him to develop. It took it took Tav a few seasons. It took about five managers to get, well, Dale Fry, about five managers to get it right as well. So I think there is time there. There is quality there with, with Jed Spence, but at this moment in time, his form hasn't been good. I think you're spot on, Tom. I don't think his confidence is there either. And to be honest, I think it was rightly hooked at half-time. I just didn't think he was bringing anything to the table and we need to... To get on the front foot in the second half, and we 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 did we did, and it got it got better, but it wasn't. We were never going to score in that game. It didn't matter how many chances chances with like quotations, um, we were going to make. Nothing was going to go in. I think, and yeah, I think you're right, Dana, with your ITK that if we were still playing now, we probably still wouldn't have scored, and we probably would have, you know, even that, if that would have been. Even if Millwall players had packed up and left, we probably still wouldn't score. Open we're still be knocking the ball. We're still be knocking the ball in the box. Yeah, it still get blocked somehow. <clears throat> yeah, just hits off. Johnson knocks the ball over, just hits off Cabano's head, or something goes out for a goal kick. That would have been it. Yeah. Um, but uh, Dana Tav yesterday came back in at the sides and was injured again, hamstring pulled, and it looked like another couple of weeks on the sideline once again for Tav. Do you think it's a case that Warnock's being trying to rush him back a bit too soon because he did say in that press conference that in a couple, couple of weeks ago that I'd be on him if he got injured again. The hamstring's gone now. How I don't I don't really want to say is it a big miss because we've been playing without him and do being done okay. But do you think it's a case of Borough being trying to rush him back far too quickly? I don't know. I can only assume that somebody switched his muscles for cheese string because that's the second time now that he's tried to come back and he's he's been straight back on the treatment table. Um, I do feel as though... I mean, I understand why Neil Warnock puts him straight back into the team after he's fit because he is an important player for us. And I think you saw what he pretty much echoed that in the last press conference about how he, he wants to keep him and he is going to stay for as long as Neil Warnock's at the club. But I do feel as though we should have maybe phased him back into things. And I think definitely now, if it is a couple of weeks, as soon as he comes back, we need to 
bring him off the bench and not put him back in straight away because it seems as though there is a there's a, an issue there with Tav's injuries at the moment. Probably an, an accumulation of games. Maybe it is rushing him back. Um, I know the first time he came back and then he got injured again, everybody was, well, not everybody, but I was surprised that he was um, involved in that game because it was sort of out of the blue. I know Neil Warnock kept that under wraps, but the physios of the doctors will know if Tav's fit and Tav will know himself if he's fit he's obviously Neil Warnock's obviously gotten the note from the doctors and the physios that he's fit to play he's played him and unfortunately it's backfired so what I'll say is the next time that he comes back for me he needs to be eased back into things I think with like some of the muscle injuries, I wonder if like one muscle injury is, has caused like a domino effect on the other one with with different muscles probably putting a bit too much effort on on each other, and then it's causing it's like playing like whack a mole a little bit anyway. Hit one thing and pump, pump pops up again. It'd be like that I think with him at the moment. And I seen a tweet yesterday. Fans were saying that we should just keep Tav now until the end of the season just keep him out and then start him again next year mm. I mean like, I think that's absolutely bizarre because you still want him in around the team and you still want him to play matches but yeah but I mean uh, you don't want to jeopardise his pre-season or anything because he, you know he could well get a, a really bad mm. injury and then all of a sudden his pre-season preparations are, are thrown in the air a little bit so I kind of understand that I mean Borough's season for me the you know the playoffs are gone um, so I think I don't know. Can you afford putting him back in and then getting him injured again and missing preseason? I don't know. Yeah, well, you never know, Dana. When now you've said that Mills were going to win probably the last nine remaining games. Sorry, the last uh, seven remaining games and seven eight remaining games, and we'll uh, we'll go on. We want the playoffs. I left again. We're getting a title on my ass, and Bring we'll all be like that. So we'd love to see it. <laughs> love to see that. And that. Probably not going to happen, but Tom, apart from the old goal, um, which was superb finish from Grant Hall and uh, a right porches finish in the six-yard box and ballers nutmeg, um, apart from that, there wasn't really too much to report on because I thought Millwall seemed to just completely stifle Borough's play yesterday. We said that all the chances we chances we made came to nothing. Um, but what do you think Millwall did so well to make things so difficult for Borough to make that to get that clear cut chance? Well, I think first off, um, they were quite good on the counter attack in the in the first half. Uh, I I said to you yesterday, and we we tweeted out that most of their chances were coming from through balls to to Jed Wallace, who I'm still good. We didn't sign at the same time as Savile because I think he would have been great here. Um, and obviously they were doing quite well from that. They got the goal, and then after that, they didn't have to do much afterwards except stay solid, like. They, they sat on that lead really well. Um, for me, we, all our chances we were trying to create were from crossing, and they had two massive centre halves who so we were winning everything. So it's the same same story on a different week. It's just we're not creating anything other than from from crossing, and then Millwall had our number for us. I don't think they kind of played particularly well, um, and by that I mean they weren't exactly all over us. It's not like we can go out of that game so oh, we got absolutely battered. It's just we were poor and they were they were up to what little challenge it actually was. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you. I think we played to their strengths completely. Um, we said on that last podcast that Borussia looked to play the through ball with their pace and the way that they, they set up, it makes absolute sense to try and get the ball down the line, cut in or try and get the ball and behind and run to it because that would probably suit us. But we just played their hands, I think. But Dana, to play devil's advocate, about this, do you think Borough could have done more going forward? Then, 
Oh, without a doubt, yeah. I mean, there was a couple of times where there was a straight line of forwards and then nothing in behind. There was a massive gap that nobody was occupying where, you know, that's where you feed the strikers, that's where you give them the passes and the service. And there was just no movement. There was no movement. I was looking into Chirapom's stats. He almost lost the ball as many times as he had it. He had um, 10 touches, lost the ball seven times. And his average position to take Elliot's mantle here was really, really deep. He was probably just a little bit further forward than Johnny Housen, who was the defensive midfielder. Fair enough, he played 45 minutes. Johnny Housen played 90. But, you know, it's... If you're gonna mm. come, if you're gonna come deep, which I think is fine for Tuba Pong because he's not a hold up player, he's not a hold up striker. You have to have the movement in behind, and we didn't have the movement in behind. Um, I will say I thought Pong was poor yesterday anyway, so I'm not sort of taking away the, the, the criticism for, from him. Um, but all in all, you know, it was it was really frustrating. There was just no movement. There was no fluidity. There was no energy. The pace that we saw in the game against Preston was non-existent, and. Going on to uh, going off Tom's point about you know the crosses, I mentioned in my preview of Millwall that teams don't typically cross against them. We had thirty five crosses yesterday. Two of them or four of them I think were successful, but the crosses that we had, like Tom said, and and you know like we've sort of mentioned there, you're just playing into their hands and. It was it was just really frustrating. I think um, Jake Cooper, Sean Hutchinson, and. Um, who's the other defender? I've forgotten his name. It's it's, it's gone. Mori Wallace. Mori Wallace got there in the end. Um, they won the majority of their aerial battles. Jake Cooper won all of them. I think Mori Wallace um only lost two, and uh, I'll, I'll post the stats later. But you know that we were just pl- playing it in their hands, and it was really frustrating to see. There was no pace. There was no invention. There was no plan B. We just really struggled to break down that low block and that you know where they were containing us and in fairness to, to Millwall they defended really well and they deserve credit for that but Borough were poor yeah nah, I agree with it we were poor and Warlock's comments were <laughs> I'll come I'll come to the question in a second then because it's uh... well I think when you said about Chiu Brackpom and his average position there it, it did make me think about where and how we were playing yesterday because if I was Chiu Brackpom he wasn't getting the ball to the last man so he couldn't run him behind. He had to probably come deep because he was playing off scraps. Yeah. And every time that we got the ball, we were hoofing it long. So we were going to hoof it long to a middle wall centre half or a wing back. They'll head it to someone else. And we'll try and win the second ball and get ourselves up the pitch. But we didn't win the second balls. So Chu was after coming deep. And he's going to have to try and create something and then get himself back up to where he should be. And that's just... It shows that we don't have real connectivity in the midfield. And it shows that we weren't creative enough as as a as a team yesterday, and if I was if I was Neil Warlock, I'd be I'd be looking and thinking, right, we've got McNair in midfield now. We played it. We played as a three. We had some wing backs to try and get ourselves in behind and try to uh, cause a, an overlap on the, on on the wings to try and try and get ourselves for a cut back in the edge of the box. We didn't do any of that against Millwall. So what can we do differently to to get ourselves forward? And look, I said try to play with a false nine. We could maybe. Keep the three go three four three, or we can maybe go the four back to back to the four two three one. But if we're gonna have to play like that, we need someone to play to or have a vocal point up front. Because the beauty of the four two three one is if you have a big centre forward there, or you can have player fluidity. It's it's it, when you have that vocal point, it, it does give you some sort of direction going forward and causes uh, causes problems for the opposition. But 
don't know, Borough's, Borough are very toothless going forward <clears> in <throat> my eyes and have been for the majority of the season. Um, but Dana, Neil, Neil Wallace's comments yesterday, he was fuming. Um, do you think his comments were were warranted and deserving after that performance yesterday? I would say so, yeah. I mean, first half, I can't really remember. I remember two things that, that Balassi did. Um, it was a run down the wing where he cut it back and then he scuffed a shot wide, which really should have been a, a really good chance for us. But other than that, I can't remember much from him. And then Chewbrack Pom, the only thing that I can remember is when he gave Jed the ball and then subsequently watched Jed give it away. So it was... It was bad from the forwards yesterday. They were anonymous. They were non-existent. It was really frustrating because the the application and the energy just was was off. It just wasn't there. But what I will say is the mid, the midfield for me wasn't great either. I think first half McNair struggled. Housen struggled throughout the the whole game. Um, you know when Tav came off. In fairness to Tav, he was actually trying to create things. You know, he was little given goals, trying to sort of speed up the the flow of the the attacks and then when he went off we really didn't have any any movement and any energy Savile came on can't really remember much he did he well apart from missing a couple of chances or getting a couple of chances blocked but we didn't get a hold of the game for midfield so although I do think the forwards were an issue yesterday the midfield was as well for me mm. yeah it it is I think you're spot I think you're spot on like it's hard to disagree because I think collectively it was such a poor performance. And Tom, do you think? But Warnock really singled out the forwards yesterday. And can you understand why he's so frustrated? I think Dan has obviously alluded to it with Akpom. I don't think Fletcher had a touch either. Um, can you so? Can you see why he was he was so blatantly frustrated? Yeah, because I think we, we've tried a, a few systems this season, and we just still uh, still seem absolutely blunt. Uh, in attack, so I think he's, he's probably finally getting to him. He's finally cracking that nothing's nothing's actually working, or that. But as well, they, they didn't seem to be putting putting the, the right amount of effort in yesterday for me. But I, I would say that about most of the team as well. Um, for me, that was that was a winnable game yesterday, and it just it didn't look like anyone was bothered. Um, I'm going to be interested to see how we start next season, um, given a, a transfer window full pre-season. Um, probably a, a set system that we play, because I think we've chopped and changed a bit too much this season. Um, but once we're kind of fully built up next next year, I'd be interested to see what our forward line looks like mm. um, and how, how Warnock wants us to play next season to kind of get over this. Yeah, it is interesting how we'll play play next year. To be honest, um, it might, we might go full Mike Bassett and go four four two. You never know. So it's uh, love to it, see it. We <laughs> probably might see it to be honest. But it's interesting that you say how we're going to look next year because um, I'll move on to like, some more like financial news that came out this week. And uh, Kieran Maguire from the Price Football Podcast did a thread. Um, obviously, the, the, if you haven't heard of the Price Football, it's a really interesting podcast where they, like, they delve into the analytics and financial side of the game and. Um, he delved into Borough's financial loss uh, this 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 year, and it was thirty-five million pound loss, which is a record for Borough. Um, and the main loss is due to obviously COVID, the lack of uh, lack of parachute payments, which are now finished. Now Premier League wages, which are of, of course with Brits on Belonga and Fletch, um, are probably your two standout uh, two standout players. And he did say in a comment as well on there, he said, it probably sounds silly given the size of the losses, but the accounts are probably about as good as it can be expected in the circumstances. 
give, given Brit and the big earners are gone in the summer. Um, so with that in mind, Tom, do you think it's a perfect time for Bora to completely and utterly restructure the the way the wages are at the club? And do you think we can bring that down and have a more ecosystem friendly model? I think we've probably already started it with with what we tried under Woodgate and signing people like Dysdale, Bowler, Brown. Um, obviously, it's a, a slight change this season. Um, you know, with Morsi and uh, Akpom and Hall coming in, but even so, they weren't particularly expensive transfers, and I can't imagine they'd be kind of on too much as well. Definitely not to the same level as Brits or like Snakeweight was or anything like that. So. Um, I, I, I think it's I think it's something we've probably already started and we'll probably look to to continue uh going forward. I think we're we're kind of already on that that um that path of being kind of uh economically friendly uh wage bill at the club. Do you think do you agree with that, Dana? Do you think that Millsborough have have already started that process? Yeah, I would assume so. I mean, we did dish out a lot of new contracts to players uh, a couple of months back. You know, House and McNair, Dykesteel, I think, as well. Um, so I think those will be, I would assume, on uh, reduced wages. And I was reading in that, um, in the article that Craig Johns put up in the Gazette, that the wage bill's gone from 40, to, uh, 40 million sorry, to 31 million in. Um, with Brit obviously being a high earner, I think the writing's on the wall for Brit is future probably doesn't lie at Millsborough Football Club. And then with Fletcher as well, I know that we did offer him a new contract and he's mulling it over and he's going to wait until the end of the season. That contract will without doubt be on considerably reduced wages. That's probably why Fletcher's um, waiting until the end of the season to decide on it because um, he probably would get similar wages to what he was on before at another club. So at you know, with Fletcher, I think it's an interesting one and I, I kind of can't see him staying. I mean, like I said, I think the writing's on the wall for Brit, um, which will get the um, another chunk of money off the wage bill. But I do think, I do agree with Tom that it probably has already started, even with the incomings and with the new contracts as well for players that are already here, I think, um, Borough are trimming the wage bill. Yeah, I can call me crazy, but I can see Fletcher at like a Bournemouth next year. Mm. So, you know, like, that's, like, I think that's the, the player quite a good style for him he'll be able to get him behind he holds the ball quite well I could just see him him and Solanke being a, a forward line would be quite solid for them uh, given that Solanke might not be there next year just given the wages the wages that they have at Bournemouth um, but as for transfers do you think Dana that Borough's spending on, on transfer deals in terms of like giving teams cash for players <laughs> do you think that's pretty much that's pretty much gone now because there's a lot of players on free agents next year um, and Bora could. Do you think that's probably the best route for Bora to go down in terms of the way we've lost money this year, the way that we're trying to reduce our wage? But do you think that's probably the best route to go down? Not necessarily, because I mean, you can. There, there are a lot of players on free transfers, but they might not necessarily suit Warnock's style of play. They might not necessarily be the right fit. Um, I think mm. we will spend money on players, but we can't. Like long gone are the days of spending eight million pounds on a player, or you know, even five million pounds on a player. We need to be cautious and conservative. I think with the way that we spend our money, and I can see Steve Gibson still, you know, putting his hands in his pocket, but he needs to be, and he will be, 
definitely more careful with it given that you know the the covid uh, the impact of covid on finances has, has taken its toll i think you can see from those reports so i do think that he will still spend money but we're going to have to be um smarter with it i think however having said that spending what was it two million on Akpom when he clearly doesn't fit the the system and the style of play you know it's those sorts of deals that we can't be doing we have to find players that fit the system that are relatively cheap or on the cheaper side if that's free agents then so be it but I don't think it's necessarily the the best route to go down free agents if the players don't fit the system yeah it's interesting with Boris Dalens because when you look at the likes of Morsey and Fisher you've brought those in for about 500 600k for the pair of them I think that's fantastic business Mm. with the likes of Baller, uh, Brown and Dykesdale. Again, that was, what, a few, a couple of million max for for all three of them. Obviously, Tommy Mahea, so if you want to throw him in there as well. But, um, it's, again, I, think I can see Borough's structure probably changing. It's about time they've changed because you can you can find some diamonds in the dirt and and really upsell them. And that's the model that should, Borough should be opti- like optimising towards, really, because we don't... I'm I'm kind of sick of the way we've we've dealt with Brit, the way we've the way we've worked with Braithwaite, and the way that we've allowed contracts to get run down and cost us millions and millions. And I don't know, it's just it's just frustrating. It's it's very frustrating for us. But in ter- on on the flip side, Tom, um, yes, it's a big financial yoss, uh, loss. Sorry, the yoss. Um, uh, a uh, big financial loss. Gibson's still pouring money in. Do you think he's? Do you think he's still in it for the long haul? Yeah, absolutely. I don't think he'd be doing it if if he wasn't. Um, I think the the way the the club's restructuring is clearly like a, a concerted effort to to do that to to trim the wage bill down to be kind of more sustainable. Transfer fees probably going in the right direction. You know what I mean. Going back to what I mentioned on Wednesday night about listening to to Warnock's book, uh, he, he does have quite a bit in that about kind of how transfer deals are, are structured, and a lot of them are kind of like, oh, we'll give you so much up front, but you'll get like an extra million if we get promoted or something like that. I wouldn't be surprised to see us adopting this more and more now if we weren't already, um, just to try and get players for a cheaper upfront fee, um, and then with with more stuff added on, probably taking them above their actual value slightly if if we do get promoted or you know if, if uh, they get a certain amount of goals or whatever yeah well, I mean a certain amount of goals mate would be would be saving all the cash there Jesus Christ we don't <laughs> got many caught that <laughs> one straight away oh yeah Jordan Rhodes comes back right back <laughs> um, <laughs> left back in the changing rooms yeah what, what, what do you mean you're one goal away from that bonus you're not playing for us ever again <laughs> It'd be standard bore that I remember like show it down all over again, wouldn't it? Um, but we've got let's go to the questions because one of them, uh, one from Charlie leads onto this quite nicely, and he says, "Dana, if you want to, if you want to, if you want to take this question, uh, he says with Steve Gibson piling the money after after the current accounts, how much longer do you see him running the club for? And as soon as he leaves, do you think we'll do a pass with Bolton and Wigan? Well, you'd like to hope not, but you never know, do you? You never know. I mean, the the EFL fit and proper test is." botched i think it's safe to say um but you know the, the the financial report really does show how important steve gibson is and how lucky we are to have him and um i think he's he's definitely still in it for the long haul you know he's he's done this for 
for decades now. He's not going to stop. He's a fan of the club. He loves the club. Um, you know, he might make footballing decisions that um, maybe mistakes. Um, I think he'll probably hold his hands up and say that. But we are incredibly lucky to have him. And I think if we didn't have him, we would be in massive trouble. I think it's fair to say. But yeah, it does make you think, doesn't it? What life would be like for Borough without Steve Gibson and after Steve Gibson um, you know we are incredibly lucky in that we are in, <clears throat> we are secure with him um, mm. and you know he, he's, he is a fantastic owner pumping the money into the club um, consistently and I think he will continue to do that without a shadow of a doubt Yeah uh, I agree with you on that one but in terms of doing a pass with Bolton Wigan I, I can't see it I just I cannot see that I think, but I think Borough as a club is is I might be being a little bit biased, but you've got a 35,000 capacity stadium there. You've got a fantastic training facility. You've, you know, you're in the championship and the potential of the club could be massive. I'm not saying that we'll get someone from Abu Dhabi to take over, but in terms of like financial prospect, Millsborough are very sound to take over. And it could be a good move for whoever takes it on eventually, but I can't say that happen for another 10 15 years personally i think whenever it comes time for for gibson to sell the club you know whenever everyone's to kind of retire or whatever like that because he's a fan of the club and, and he loves the club so much i honestly think he'd do a lot of background work into whoever took it over uh, i think mm. like dana said the the fit and proper test is flawed but gibson's fit and proper test is probably going to be a little bit more in depth than the uh, the afls for for borough yeah, I feel like you'd have to see like a, some sort of like ten, fifteen year plan. I think before anything, uh, before anything gets signed off, because so he, he's rejected investment in the past, hasn't he? So it's mm. it's uh, it's interesting the way he's going to approach it. So I don't know. It's it's a strange one, but yeah, I think you're right, Tom. I, I think he'd have a really good fit and proper test. I can't see us doing a pass with Bolton and Wigan, but you never know. We could go on a, a losing streak again, like we we did last year, and, and get relegated. So. I mean, but even if we're in League One, like we, I think we'd be all right with Gibson and, and, and Gibson in charge. But um, we'll come on to another couple of questions. We've got from, one from Danny Beardmore. He says, "Do we need a good overhaul in terms of quality being injected at the side? The inconsistency is a problem, which we've touched on." And he says, "Mowat, Diego, Reach, Mendes, Lang are just some of the free agents who would be solid additions. Even like someone like Solly Bradley from Luton who's on a free." He's a big shit house uh, centre half too. He said another question as well: Do we need some? pace, skill in our midfield. I think we're far too stark. Most of our midfielders do similar things. Uh, I, uh, Barry Bannon, Mauer, Hammer, from, uh, Hammer from Coventry, sorry, and would add something different. So, I think a simple question. Do you think we need a good overhaul in terms of quality injected at the side, then, or do you think that's a bit too hard to hard to uh, fix, really? It, it's easy saying it, isn't it? But I think doing it is probably the, the hardest part. <clears throat> I don't think we're a million miles away. I think defensively we're we're okay for me, apart from, you know, I think we need to start with the goalkeeper situation. But midfield has always been a has always been a problem. I do think it's improved this season in that obviously George Savile's getting on the score sheet, the most goal contributions for us this season. I think um Sam Morsey's been a solid um addition and I think Johnny Housen's had a really good season. Paddy McNair, albeit he hasn't played in midfield much uh, this season, has I think he's staking his claim to stay there. So I think that, you know, the midfield is better. It would obviously be nice if we had the type of player that we said um, a couple of weeks ago about somebody that can 
take it from deep and you know take it on the half term and, and release the ball quickly um I've always wanted a, a midfielder like that and I, I don't think that that would be an exception even if we were to have a, a really good mm. midfield um but yeah the the defense is fine it's further forward that we need an injection of quality and in terms of the the midfielder like I said I think we we do need a player that just, just has that low center of gravity he's very agile can you know take the ball with um with his back to the majority of the plane and you know have that that quick turn of pace and, and get ball up the field and release the ball quickly that that's the type of player that I think we we need um but yeah we're not a million miles away for me yeah I feel like I should just dust down my boots you know give and give him our displays on Friday night song um Johnny, <laughs> Johnny oh yeah um Nah, my, my legs have long. My legs have long gone. Did you just um, say? Jo- did you say John Ineo? Uh, yeah. But uh, either way, it doesn't matter. I mean, my, my legs are completely totally gone, so there's not a chance. <laughs> um, but in ter- next question, Tom from from James Carter, and he says, "Is it is it right for the manager to be calling out his players as much as Warnock does? Uh, in my opinion, not great as he signed them and all." As and also not good for the resale values, calling their attitudes into question. I mean, given that the majority of our squads out of contract anyway, so it doesn't really matter. Um, but he said, example, like if you're Balassi, do you want another season of Eric if you were to come in next year? Um, do you think Warnock was right to to call out the the players yesterday or call out the players a bit too much? I think he, he probably he? was. I think he probably was right. Just going to the Balassi point, I think he probably would have had that at Palace and known what to expect here. So I don't think that's a, that's a problem with him. Um, I, I don't know. There's different ways of, of man management, isn't there? Uh, we all used to slate Pulis for it for for calling Brett out for it, but uh, Brett still got double digits in both the seasons. Pulis was here in terms of goals. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, th- I think it might be a more old school style of, of man management. He'd probably be totally different on the on the training pitch. But I think where where there is blame in 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 a game, then yeah, it when should be called out. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it, it should it should be called out though. Um, the the maybe there's no use in kind of like wrapping players and and cotton wool and protecting them. Just oh, he didn't do anything wrong because. Maybe they're not going to learn that way. Um, I don't know. It, it's it's strange. I think some managers won't do that, but maybe some of the more old school managers will. Yeah, it, it's because we don't see it as well, isn't it? Like we don't see what happens on the training ground. So like the the what the things that he says to the press could be completely different to what he says in the training room. So yeah, it's interesting. But I think you got to be very tactical the way you approach the press because if you slag off Brit obviously appreciate that he's probably going to be leaving at the end of the season but an example would be if you slag off Brit the the common fan will probably start slagging off Brit as well because Warnock's slagging off Brit do you know what I mean like they don't yeah. really take their own opinion it's based on what Warnock's saying so yeah it's, it's, it's an interesting one it's an interesting one but Dana, you, Dana would you agree do you think he's he's slagging the players off too much or do you think he's absolutely spot on for his, his call outs um, I, I don't think he's slagging the players off too much. I think one thing that you know you're going to get with Neil Warnock as a player is someone that is brutally honest. And like Tom said, the the old school type of man management where, yeah, he can put a, an arm around you, but he can also give you a, a bollocking. So um, I don't think it's, it's bad. I don't think it um, negatively affects the resale value because teams will scout players and they'll look at their... their performances on the pitch rather than what the manager said about them so 
yeah, I, th- I do think it's warranted, and I think yesterday it was warranted because we saw no energy from the majority of the team. So I, it was warranted yesterday. Um, and like I said, I think players know what they're going to get when he'll Warnock. He's, he's been a, a manager for, what is it, 40 years? It's it's fairly set in stone what he's going to do and, and what he's going to be like. Yeah, he's, he's not going to change now, is he? So... <laughs> uh... So the next question we've got, we've got two more before we move on to our, our preview of Bournemouth. And one is from Ben Strickland. And Danny, you touched on it a little bit earlier on around plan B. And he, Brent, Ben's asked us, he said, do you, do Borough have a genuine plan B? The shape may change, but the tactics don't seem to be changing. Um, the standard English plan B is hoof the ball long and try and get the ball in the box. Um, <laughs> that is renowned as a plan B in English football so since we do that anyway and that's our plan A just can you see Mills maybe going to a possession style tick attacker style as a plan B <laughs> I mean I'd love to have that as the plan A to be honest but yeah I think I mentioned in the group chat a couple of weeks ago that we just don't have a plan B and I completely agree with with Ben's statement we can change the system but the style of play still change uh, still remains the same you know we try to get the ball up as, as quickly as we can be it through long ball or um, getting the ball out wide and going down that avenue. Um, I do think we need a plan B because when we come up against teams that you know sit back, we have no answers for it. And the the trend of Borough dominating possession and not winning the game continues because we dominated the game yesterday um, in terms of possession and, and lost. So we do need a plan B. Um, and I think that plan B comes in the form of a player that you can bring off the bench to make an impact and add a little bit of a, a injection of quality in the final third. Somebody that can spot that defence splitting pass. Like a Lee Tomlin when we had Lee Tomlin. Like a Gaston Ramirez when we had him. Albeit he was um, miles away from everyone else in the division in terms of quality. But somebody of that ilk that you know can, can win a game on, on their own. And Neil Warnock said that in his pre-match press conference a couple, like a, a week or so ago about um, he needs to know what eight, eight or nine players are, are going to do every game. Um, and the and the rest, it's players that can win a game on their own. And, and Borough are very Jekyll and Hyde at the moment. You know, we'll have a couple of good games, and we'll have one absolute stinker. And um, I think we do need we do need a plan B. Um, possession base should be the plan A for me, and then long ball should be the plan B. But hey, oh, I'm not the manager, am I? But um, as a fan, I would like to see that possession based style come back. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, you can't beat a bit of possession. Um, it's 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 my favourite style as well. But I mean, I, I do like a good counter attack. But I think sometimes the way we play and the way we've been conditioned as a as a Bora fan is we play a lot of long ball football like we have for a long time, and it's just like I I would just like just to go back to you know maybe like the the twenty thirteen twenty sixteen years of just possession. <laughs> it was mm. it was nice, <laughs> it was nice it was. to keep the ball on the floor <laughs> and not get lost in the tea side wind. You know what I mean? So. I don't know. Yeah. It's probably never going to happen. Um, but final question, Tom. It's from Tom Muldowney, and he says, it's having options done, not working against Warnock to a degree. Um, as he doesn't seem to be convinced as to what his strongest team is. It's interesting, this question, because at the start of the season, we, we were very light on players, and we seemed to be pulling out results. Now that we've got options done, it seems to become a little bit more pear-shaped. Similar to what Woodgate did as well. As soon as Woodgate had options... Um, it went really pear-shaped for him. So do you think Warnock's suffering from the same thing? 
Yeah, potentially. Uh, like I said earlier, we, we seem to be chopping and changing systems quite a lot this season. And, you know, we, we go from, like, you know, playing two up front with Balassi up there or Watmore up there. Like, I wish we'd... Sometimes I wish we'd just play these players in their positions because neither of those are strikers for me. Um, and, yeah, I, I just wish we had kind of, like, a, a cemented formation and style of play that people fit into. We've got a consistent start in 11. Um we're just talking about it there with the the plan B, plan A argument. I mean, Karanka got slated for not having a, a plan B, for not having someone to hoof it up to, even though we did have just Ed and Kike Solar and stuff and proved how ineffective that uh, plan B was. Um, but the, the reason he didn't need it was because plan A worked 90% of the time. So I think if we had like a set formation, set style, and then, you know our plan A was actually effective. We wouldn't have to chop and change so much, but yeah, it just seems like people are kind of in and out of the squad too much to to develop any sort of uh, consistency. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting that the chopping and changing. Going back to Morsey at the start at the start of the show where we were saying that he should have probably been in the side. Can we get a few more other games? Warnock's obviously got to manage like the fatigue of the players too because it's been a bit of a rushed season uh, too, so it's 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 an interesting one. You have to strike the balance as well, and sometimes players just need a player to keep the form up. Um, sometimes when you take them out of it, it's it's very hard to get back in the rhythm again. And it's it's I'm glad I'm not the manager because it must be a really difficult job for him. Um, but he's uh, he's paid to do it. So let's chat about Bournemouth, guys. Um, Jonathan Wood gets Bournemouth uh, lost three 0 yesterday at Southampton in the FA Cup, and the itching to get back into the playoffs and I think they will as well at the end of the season uh, but then I'll pass the mic over to you let's break down Jonathan Woodgate's Bournemouth oh am I starting oh whoever wants to start my, my, do you want to start Tom do you want to start my notes are loading yeah, yeah, I can, uh, I'll, I'll do the form quickly then the seventh and seventh and seventh at the moment I was going to say, do you want me to sing for a second while you were... Uh, <laughs> They've loaded like, now, it's like, fine. <laughs> shall shall music. I rap, rap a bit, lift the mood? <laughs> uh, yeah, seventh in the table at the moment. Um, as you said, they got beat 3-0 off Southampton in the FA Cup yesterday. Before that, 3-0 win against Swansea. Surprisingly, no dodgy penalties in that game. Uh Barnsley beat them 3-2 a week before that at their place. They drew 1-1 with Preston, uh, beat Bristol City 2-1 uh, away the week before that. And then the week before that was a 1-0 win against Wofford, where both teams had a had a player sent off. So uh, they're fairly similar to us in terms of inconsistency. So hopefully uh, a negative bit of inconsistency for them next week. Mm. Well... Jonathan Mugger, he's not he's not renowned for positive results all the time, so but he's been do, he's been doing very, very well at Bournemouth uh so far. But go on, Dana, carry on. Yeah, the uh, uh get switched them from a three four three, that's what they were playing early season to a, a four three three, which is obviously his uh, favoured formation. Uh, they do play possession football, they like to have the majority of of the ball. They actually rank fourth for possession average in the championship. Fourth most uh, short passes per game as well, so they like to play through teams, and they've got the the players to do it. Um, you know, they're, they're one of the lowest um, crossing teams in the division because they can play in behind, and they have um, Dan Juma and um, 
Stanislas to, to cut inside. Uh, they'll play it through the centre midfielders. Lerma, Wilshire and Billing it is at the moment. Billing's played a little bit more further forward. Uh, but they do like to be aggressive and they like to cause problems for the full-backs uh, with that pace, um, with being direct. Um, Dan Juma has... Uh, 1.8 dribbles uh, per game, which is one of the one of the best dribblers uh, of the ball in the championship. Um, Dom Solanke actually is on the same um, number of dribbles per game as well. Um, in terms of stats, uh, Bournemouth boasts the fourth best home record in the championship with 36.1. Um, but what I looked into in terms of their weaknesses is that 12 of their 37 goals um, that they've conceded have come from set pieces. Probably not really a weakness that we can exploit because we're not great at set pieces ourselves, uh, attacking them, but there's an avenue for Borough to potentially exploit. Um, you know, top scorers this season, Dom Slanky's on 11, and then you've got Dan Juma and Stanislas on 10 each. Um, but one thing that um, a fan said on the Bournemouth forum about uh, Dan Juma, um, I'll quote what he says, he says, he provides next to no defensive cover, often leaving his fullback horribly exposed. Um, he also seems to go completely missing when the going gets tough. When he's given space to operate in, um, he can look like a real player. But when he isn't afforded the luxury and a fullback makes life a little bit uncomfortable for him, he's all, he all too often seems to disappear. And literally right next to that note, I just put, Daniel Fisher has entered the chat. So if, you know, Daniel <laughs> Fisher has done it before with Todd Cantwell, <clears throat> it would be a perfect game for him to, to come back and, and replicate that type of, of performance. But we're going to have to have a really good performance at the Vitality because we don't have a great head-to-head record against them. Uh, we've lost our last three games there. Uh, 3-1 in the League Cup in 2017, 4-0 in the Premier League in the same year, albeit a different season, um, and then 3-0 in the Championship in 2015. So you can see there that we tend to concede a lot against Bournemouth away from home. Wouldn't be surprised if Harry Atta magically spawns from nowhere, even though he doesn't play for them anymore and dives to win a penalty. And... <laughs> <laughs> although we, although we are a couple of um, a, a week or so away from the game, or a week, two weeks away from the game, or something. Couple like of weeks. That. Yeah, um, we won't know the the referee yet, but I'll be interested to see who it is. I'll be interested to see his performance because, yeah, we've we've had a couple of dodgy refs at, at Bournemouth and a couple of dodgy decisions going against us. So I can I can see Neil won't be f- being fuming at half time to mm. be honest. But yeah, it's going to be a difficult game. Yeah, Keith Stroud written all over it, isn't it? Absolutely. It wasn't, it wasn't he the referee when we went there before when we were when we were going for the championship? Like, oh, when, when Thomas Callas had the, the worst performance I think I might have ever seen apart from Dwight Tindarley. Yeah, I think I think he yeah. might have been. I remember um, Gary Walsh always did the Sky Sports commentary for that game on Soccer Saturday. I think it was Gary Walsh. Yeah. And everyone hated him. It was like he had some sort of Bournemouth, like he had Bournemouth on his acker every week. But I miss that season. Yeah. I miss the little things like that yeah. from that season. <laughs> so sure it kind of leaked. It kind of leaked on Twitter after the game. People were like having conspiracy theories going, he's actually a Bournemouth with season ticket holder, so he shouldn't be, shouldn't be referee in this game. It was Paul Walsh, yeah. not Gary. I just made a, I just made a person up there, I think. But Paul Walsh, sorry. Sorry, Paul. Form, former Borough goalkeeper, Gary Walsh. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Gary Walsh. <laughs> uh, it, it, it's in, it's interesting, no, like, uh, it, it's, it's going to be a really difficult game for us um, when when the game comes around. I think what I think I think Will Gate wants to really prove a point uh, that he's uh, he's actually the the man for the job and shows shows Borough fans that you know he actually can manage. So I feel like he'll have that extra incentive and. I think with with Bournemouth, then yet not a good hunting ground for us. Never has been. And 
it's it's just it's gonna be a really difficult game for us but possession style teams teams that are quite quick and tend to like tend not like that physicality of the game we tend to do quite well against and i thought we played really well against them at the start of the season appreciate jason tendler was manager and he's a massive fraud and so it's uh <laughs> and like so you, you never you never know really do you i honestly when he got linked with like the sheffield united job i was like what how was how on earth has he done that like i know he's like the assistant gaffer there now but jesus christ he's yeah. down in this or I was going to say, he's like, he's like the PE teacher that, like, you know, the normal one's off, like Eddie Howe, and then the other one comes in and you just take the piss. You just play dodgeball and just smack it against the wall, and, and there you are. We're, we're, yeah. we're just taking the piss. That's what he Jason just, like, listen, is. He just, he just nabbed all of Eddie Howe's uh, textbooks on how to manage a football team and just... Try read them backwards. Out all... Yeah, read them backwards, yeah. Uh, I can't. I still can't believe they got rid of Eddie Howe. To be honest, I feel like he would have been the perfect man to get them back up again. But because he's on know. his way to right. after Warnock leaves. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I highly doubt that. <laughs> I highly we'll doubt that. Um, <laughs> yeah, I highly doubt it. I could see Borough probably getting. I don't know. Even I don't even know who Borough are probably going to get Kevin after Blackwell. Neil Warnock. Probably Kevin Blackwell, yeah. And you, then after Kevin you know Blackwell, it'll be Rodney Jepsen. <laughs> you know, I, re- I really hope it's not what my uh, footy manager game suggested yesterday. It was actually oh, Mark Bourne and Colin Calderwood managerial duo. Colin Calderwood. That, do you that was when awful. He, do you remember when he pushed Aitor and Aitor was fuming? I've yeah. never hated someone more. For a split second. How dare he push him? <laughs> How dare he push him? Mike, why don't we ask Aitor? I'll see what he's up to. I mean, I probably won't have him back now, like, but it's just to see what he's up to. We might ask him about that push. Um, but, guys, let's do predictions. Let's, how, how are we feeling against Bournemouth? Do you think we'll go there and pick up a W or is it defeat, season over, and that's it? Defeat. What do you go for, Dana? I just, defeat? Oh, yeah, I don't like us playing at the Vitality. It's, I mean, there's, there's always an opportunity to, to end a hoodoo, put an end to a hoodoo, but I I just don't see it. Um, I do understand what you were saying there about we could thrive against them um, because they do like to, to dominate possession and we do like to contain and we're good on the counter-attack, but I think their pace in behind us is going to cause us problems. So I think, for me, I'm going to go 2-0 Bournemouth. 2-0 Bournemouth for dinner. Tom? Uh, I'm going to go the other way. I'm going to say 2-0 Borough. Um, I, I think what you said about us, us being able to kind of get at them physically and them not being... As up to the to, to the fight there, I think it could benefit us. I don't think because at the the game at the Riverside earlier in the season, I was dreading it a little bit, but I don't think they were actually that good that day, um, and I don't think there was too much difference between the two teams then. So, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm going to stick with uh, with two nil. Yeah, I'm feeling quite confident as well, Tom. I really am. I don't know why. I just I, I've just got two one in my head, so it's uh, I'm going to go two one Borough. I think and. I just want to, before we wrap up, I just want to say, you know, we were saying that um, we paid 15 million for Britta Sambalonga and we paid 8 million for George Savile. Just remember that Bournemouth played 25 million for Dom Solanke, so, um, and he's only scored, and he, and he only scored 11 goals, he's only scored 11 goals in the championship this year, but bear in mind, I think he's only still like 20, 21, I think he's, he's still only a Ben, I think. They signed him from Liverpool, didn't they? Yeah, and then Liverpool. Whoever's in charge of their transfers, selling people is doing a fantastic job. Didn't they get like twenty million for Ryan Brewster as well or something? Yeah, yeah, absolutely insane, isn't it? Just so yeah, just count yourselves lucky. We didn't pay twenty five million for Dom Salanke, but 
that's it guys uh thank you for joining me as always and to listen thank you very much for listening to us we really do appreciate it. and if you haven't subscribed to our youtube channel or saved our podcasts within spotify our podcast please do help us get found chatted and other poor fans can find us too um so that's pretty much it poor fail to reduce the point deficit with big some big games to play we may need the table to lie or we might need someone from coronation street with that carrier bag you know what's his name not norris not albert Roy Cropper. Roy Cropper. Up, up the Roy Cropper. This has been the Boy Breakdown podcast, and that was all your match day chatter in a pod. Up the Boy Breakdown. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rose, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 